0: How did you live when you knew someone or something was coming? How did you live when you knew someone or something was coming? Now, you can think about a million different situations and scenarios in life where this could have happened. Maybe a guest visiting you unexpected. Maybe it's a graduation or a wedding or even the birth of a child. When someone or something is coming, how did you live? as you got closer and closer to that day. When my wife and I were expecting our first child, we got to experience what it felt like to live toward something. It was this birth of a child that was going to change our worlds forever. And so we were told that this boy was going to be born in uh, November and he's going to come on this specific day. And so you have to prepare and get ready for that day. And so like good parents, we did the best we could to get ready for that day. Now, if I'm honest with you, there was really only one rule I had in my mind when it came to the birth of my son. It was simply this, on the day he's born, please don't be a TV dad. Let me explain that to you for just a second. Every single time I've ever seen a dad on television welcome the birth of a son or a daughter, that dad is always a bumbling clown every single time. The wife says she's going into labor and the dad, without fail, is running around looking for his keys and searching for a bag and trying to find the car and trying to figure out how to get to the hospital on time. Everything he does is filled with panic and he's just chaotic and a mess the entire way until his calm, collected wife tells him it's going to be okay. And I said to myself, that's it. I just don't want to be one of those guys when my son comes. And sure enough, the day that my older son was born... It was perfect. It was flawless. Now, of course, I didn't have to do a lot of the hard work, but it was still a flawless experience because ultimately I was calm, I was collected. On the day he was born, he came. On the day he was expected, he came, and we had a healthy baby boy. Fast forward a couple of years, a couple of months later, and our second son is to be born. He's expected to be born in August of that year. And we're thinking, look, we've got all kinds of time to prepare. We've already done this before. We know it's coming. And in July of that year, we're thinking, look, we've still got four weeks in front of us. Nothing to worry about. We'll get that bag together. We'll get that car ready. We'll know everything that we have to do when it's time for his arrival. Of course, in the middle of a night in July, more than a month before he's expected to be with us, my wife taps me on the shoulder in the middle of the night and taps me awake and says, I think my water just broke. To which I, I think in my groggy state, responded, don't worry, we'll fix it in the morning or something like that. And here I was now suddenly jarred awake thinking, wait a second, it's happening. It's happening. And sure enough, like a TV dad, I was running around the house, grabbing a bag, looking for keys, trying to figure out a way to make all of this work. I don't know about you, but every time you've ever lived toward something, every time there was a big moment coming, you had to adjust your life to get ready for that moment, no matter what it is, big or small. And the truth is every single one of us is living toward something. Now, it may not be a big milestone event like a wedding or a graduation or a childbirth, but we're all living toward something. And we've got to be honest about that. Every single person on this earth right now is living toward something. Whether you want to recognize it or not, you are living toward something. Now, if we're honest, the vast majority of us and the vast majority of this world around us are living toward one giant culminating event in our lives, and that's really death. We're marching towards the day we die. We're waiting till the hourglass loses all of its sand, and we're marching toward that day. That's what we're living toward. This morning, I want to take some time for us to look at what the Bible says about what we are actually living toward. Who are we living toward? If you have your Bibles with you this morning right where you are, if you want to use an app or even the verses might be appearing right on the screen next to me, we'll be in First Thessalonians chapter 4 and chapter 5 this morning as we look at some of the most critical verses in all of Scripture that talk about the thing, the culminating event for every believer in Jesus Christ. It's what we call the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, the apostle, as he's writing to this church in Thessalonica, he writes this beautiful letter encouraging them and teaching them about how they need to be living in a time of persecution and deep despair and chaos. And he he guides them and encourages them, and he ultimately leaves them with these verses at the very end. I want to give you a little context around this church at this time. They were worried. They were scared. They knew that Christ would come again. But they were worried what would happen to our loved ones who had already died ahead of us. What would happen to us when Jesus Christ comes back? There were questions swirling in their minds as anytime someone talks about the coming of Jesus Christ, I'm sure there are some questions that swirl in your heads. And those questions are questions that I'm hoping to address today as we, as we spend some time in First Thessalonians chapter 4. I think that first big question that comes up in our minds is simply this, how will it happen? How will the coming of the Lord happen? Maybe you've never heard about this before. Maybe Christianity and following Jesus are new to you. And if you don't know, and if you're not aware of this, let me just give you a quick synopsis. We as believers, as believers in Jesus Christ, hold on to a worldview that's completely different from the vast majority of people in the world around us that don't hold on to this belief. We believe that our Lord Jesus Christ died and rose again. He resurrected from the dead, conquering death once and for all. And we also believe that he will come again. He will return and take us with him to his heavenly kingdom forever. We believe this. This is something we hold on to. This is something Paul used to encourage the first century church. But There's an important question that we ask. How will it happen? It's a question that that church had as well. And so we find the answer to that question in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, where we read like this, Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. We who remain, who are still alive and are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. How will it happen? The Apostle Paul quotes Jesus Christ and reminds us that it will happen like this one day when we least expect it, one day when the world is saying peace and safety and everything is fine, one day when no one is necessarily looking forward to it or looking for it to come at that moment. Suddenly the skies will open, a trumpet will blast. The archangel's voice will call out like a dignitary walking or marching into a city for the first time. There will be a beckoning call that goes out. And in the twinkling of an eye, in an instant, the dead in Christ, those who have preceded us in death in Christ, will rise and join him in the air. And the rest of us who remain, we will also be caught up in the clouds and we will be with the Lord forever. How will it happen? It'll happen in the most magnificent, marvelous way you could ever imagine. It's worth waiting for. It's worth living toward. It's going to be incredible. But then there's a second question that pops up. When will it happen? And I think if we're honest, this is the question that probably troubles us and plagues us even more. When will it happen? And Paul addresses that in the same passage of Scripture as well. In First Thessalonians chapter 5 and throughout the New Testament, we see reference to the when question. When will it happen? And over and over again, from Jesus' own words to Paul's words, the simple answer is we don't know the date or the time. We don't know exactly when it will happen. That mystery has not been revealed to us. And so if someone comes and tells you, I know when it's going to happen, you are guaranteed through Scripture that they do not know when it will happen. In fact, Paul puts it like this. When will it happen? 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 says like this. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates, we do not need to write to you. For you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. It's going to be sudden. It's going to be a quick and automatic thing. It's going to happen. So it's not the when that we need to concern ourselves with. It's the who. It's the part about Jesus that we need to fix our minds on. What's going to happen? How it will happen is important. When is it going to happen is somewhat important, although the Bible tells us over and over again to fixate on the things of Christ himself, not necessarily when he will return, but we know it will happen. So if we know that it will happen and we know how it will happen, the question that we really should ask ourselves starts to bubble up to the surface here. The real question, the big question, the one that Paul actually emphasizes the most is a completely different question. That question is this, knowing that Jesus will come again and knowing that we don't know exactly when, how are you and I supposed to live wisely today? How are you and I supposed to live toward this coming of Jesus Christ And I think if we're honest, and if we look around the world, what are we living toward? I think a lot of us would answer that question in ways that we might be a little embarrassed to answer it. Some of us will say, I'm living toward retirement. I'm living toward uh, my children's education. I'm living toward a promotion at work. I'm living toward financial security. And here is Paul entering into that conversation and saying, look, the most important question is not when it will happen or how it will happen. The most important question is how should you and I live now knowing that it will happen? And thankfully for us, Paul addresses that question right here in First Thessalonians chapter 5. He writes there like this in verse 6. So then, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert and let us be self-controlled. He says we shouldn't be like everyone else sleepwalking through life who have simply decided that I'm going to live toward retirement, financial security, and I'm going to live and live and live until I ultimately get to this culminating event called death and I'm just going to do everything I can, squeeze in everything into life until I get to the grand culminating event which is called death. Paul says that's not even close to how we as believers live on this earth. We know that the grand culminating event is not death. In fact, when the world calls death the finish line, the Bible often refers to death as another starting point for us. We know that's not a culmination. That's not the end of anything. And as a result, Paul says, live toward the coming of Jesus Christ, live toward him. Because here's the truth, those who are dying live toward death, but those who are living live toward Jesus. So I ask you this morning, as you're listening right now in your rooms, in your living rooms and in your homes, what are you living toward? What's the destination of your life? What are you purposing yourself to live toward? Because when you answer that question, you realize what is the grand culminating event of that life that you're living right now. And the sad truth that many of us have to face, maybe even this morning, is that my life's direction is heading toward death, and it's not necessarily heading toward Jesus and His coming. So the Apostle Paul gives us two words, two phrases. He says, live alert or live awake. Be awake as you're on this earth and be self-controlled as you're on this earth. I want to break those two words down for us because that's ultimately what we need to be, how we need to live. We need to be alert and we need to be self-controlled. Another way to look at that word alert Paul talks a lot about not sleepwalking through life, not being asleep as we go through life. And asleep means walking in darkness, not having an aim, not walking toward Jesus. That's what asleep means. And so many of us have this struggle in life where we don't live with any urgency because we're asleep. And Paul is calling us to live urgent lives. Lives that know that the coming of Christ could happen at any moment, so be alert, be awake, live urgently in your life. I think for a lot of us, this idea of urgency and the coming of Christ are two separate things. There are a lot of things I live urgently toward, but Christ's coming is not really one of those things. 1 Thessalonians 5 reminds us that the coming of Christ, Jesus will come like a thief in the night. It will be sudden. It will be unexpected to many of us. And so that requires some urgency on my part to live toward that moment. When I was in college uh, many years ago, I was living in a very small roach-infested apartment on Commonwealth Avenue I shared this apartment with a couple of roommates. and I remember coming home late one night, walked into the apartment. I heard my roommate in his room, and I shouted out to him to let him know that I'm home for the night. I sat down on the couch, watched television for about 20 minutes, and I can hear him in his room for a little while. And so after I was done watching television, maybe 15, 20 minutes of television, I got up and decided to go to bed. And as I was heading to bed, I thought I would just wish him a good night before I went off to my room. And I walked past his room, and I heard more rustling, and I still heard no response back. So I said, all right, let me go knock on his door and see what he's doing. I knock on his door, no answer. So I finally open the door to see what he's up to and that's when I realized his entire room is ransacked, flipped upside down and the window in his bedroom is open to a fire escape where there's a man running out along the fire escape. It was a thief in the house the entire time I was sitting there and I didn't know it because here's the thing that the Bible reminds us and here's something I learned that night as well. A thief does not send a save the date. A thief does not give you a meeting reminder to this moment to when I will be there. A thief comes and you don't know, even if you're sitting five feet away sometimes, you don't know when he'll be there. It's sudden. And so here's Paul reminding the church, if this is how the coming of Christ will be, then you and I have to respond to that. We have to live urgent lives. We can't be asleep as we go through this life. And what does that mean? What does that look like to be asleep? Uh, The famous preacher Charles Spurgeon, he once spoke specifically about this passage of scripture in a sermon entitled Awake, Awake. And he talked about this extensively. He said it's like the church sleeping is like a captain of a ship sleeping under the boat or at the bottom of the boat. That boat is heading towards some jagged rocks and will quickly run aground and break into many pieces while the captain who's able to steer it clear sleeps in the hull of the ship. It's like a doctor who has a cure for a disease but sleeps while the cure sits in his pocket and many die without the cure. There's so many examples of what this can look like. Spurgeon even says it's like a prison warden who holds a letter of pardon for an inmate who's marching off to his death and to his execution. This is what it looks like to be asleep, to not have the urgency of the things of Christ. And so I ask you this morning, what are you putting off? What are you delaying when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom? What are you delaying in your life? Because the asleep follower of Christ is complacent believing that that coming is off in the distance somewhere, that coming is so far off into the future that I don't have to live urgently today. I can put off those things I need to confess. I can put off those those changes I need to make in my life. I can put off those things that I need to do, The, the people, the family and friends I need to witness to in my life. I can put those things off because it's just not urgent in my life right now. So number one, Paul tells us that today we need to live urgently. We need to live with urgency in our lives. Secondly, Paul says you need to be self-controlled. Paul uses this language of armor and a military person, a soldier, when he talks about being self-controlled. And there's no mistake there. He uses the same language in the book of Romans as well. This is how he says it. Love your neighbor, understanding that the present time The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Paul says when we live self-controlled lives, what we're doing is we're living prepared lives. Prepared lives. You see, a soldier puts on that armor when he's prepared for battle. When he's ready to go do battle. And in the same way, you and I are called to live prepared for the coming of Christ. So we live urgent and we live prepared. We're living these lives that are ready for his coming, like a soldier who is ready to go into battle at any moment. This is the way you and I have been called. But I ask you this morning how are you living, though? How am I living this morning? Am I prepared for the coming of Christ, which can happen at any moment? You know, recently I was thinking to myself, if there was a fire in my house, what would I do? Because here's what I know. I know that I have four fire extinguishers in my house. Now, here's the sad part. I think I know where one of them actually is. I think. I don't know if it still works. I don't know if they've expired or if there's any problems with them. I don't know. Because, in my preparation for a fire, here's what I've done. The same thing we do every time a flight attendant gives us instructions in case of a crash. We believe in our minds that this is not going to happen, and as a result, I don't have to really be prepared for it. So, I ask you this morning are you prepared? If Jesus comes before this sermon is done, will you be prepared? If he comes back before the end of this month, before the end of this year, will you be ready for that moment like a soldier is ready to go into battle? There must be a a discipline, a self-control about our lives knowing that I'm ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. You and I have a job to do and it requires urgency and it requires preparedness. If you've been following at home and if an acronym helps you remember this, Jesus has called us to live up U-P, urgent and prepared to live lives that are urgently waiting for his coming, urgently doing the things of, of the Lord and prepared to meet him in the air. So I ask you this morning, what are you putting off? What are you delaying in your life? Who are you delaying witnessing to? Maybe it's accepting the Lord's command in water baptism. Maybe it's a quiet time with the Lord every day. What are you delaying in your life right now? That's also affecting your preparedness, your preparation for the coming of the Lord. It's coming. He's coming. He'll be here. Now, it's on you and I to live lives that are urgent, lives that are prepared for his coming. This morning, as we close, take this time to think to yourself, God, where in my life Have I thought about the coming of Christ as some distant, far-off event that I don't need to think about today? And how can I live urgently toward that specific day? How can I be ready for that day? How can I be better prepared for that day? Some of this can sound scary to us at times to hear it put like this. In fact, Paul talks extensively about chaos, destruction, sudden destruction but let's not forget for a second that Paul twice in these passages of Scripture that we've read today says the same phrase, encourage one another with these words. That's what you and I are supposed to take from this passage of Scripture. Jesus is coming again. That means that death is not the culminating event of our lives. That means the coming of our Lord in the clouds is the culminating event that we look forward to, we work toward, we live toward. Because here's what it means. Those who are dying live toward death, but those who are living live toward Jesus. Are you living toward Jesus today? Who are you living toward? What are you living toward? If you find yourself living toward promotions and things at work and success in this world and financial security and retirement, All those things are nice, but I ask you, are they worth living toward, ultimately living toward? And this morning, we have an opportunity to do just that. For those who are dying, live toward death, but those who are living, live toward Jesus. Will you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you again for this opportunity to hear from your word. God, thank you for the reminder this morning that you will come again. That you are going to return on the clouds magnificent, marvelous, wonderful as you come back. Lord, we ask your forgiveness for those areas of our lives where we have not made that an urgent priority in our hearts. Those places where we are not ready, Lord God. And this morning I ask that we as your church would be able to see your coming as an imminent event that we need to be ready for and that we need to prepare this world for, Lord. I pray that you'd give us hearts to be ready. Lord, give us the ability to see those areas that we've pushed off, that we've delayed in our lives, those areas where we have been called to come close to you that we still keep back to ourselves because, Lord God, we have not made it urgent in our lives. We pray for a turnaround in our lives, Lord. We look forward to the day when you will return when we will be together with you forever, Lord God. Thank you for the incredible hope that brings us. Thank you for the incredible joy that brings us. Thank you for the encouragement that we get through that. We give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.